You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm dubious about marijuana. As states, I get can pass whatever laws they choose, but I'm not sure we're going to be a better, healthier nation than if uh, we have uh, marijuana being sold at every corner grocery store. Podcast, a podcast publication, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The Medical Podcast is dedicated to pharmacists, healthcare professionals, and is devoted to delivering accurate, timely, cutting edge information about medical marijuana. We will bring you the most up to date scientific, political, regulatory, financial, and interesting information not available on any other podcast program. Not since Silicon Valley and the technology boom have we seen the likes of any other industry that has grown this fast over a relatively short period of time. The medical marijuana industry is projected to hit the 30 billion mark in the next five years. The medical cannabis industry has the potential of helping billions of people around the globe, but at a significant social, economical, and political cost. Our goal is to answer some of your questions, plus heighten, enlighten, confuse, and frustrate you all at the same time. So fasten your seatbelts, keep your eyes on the road, and get ready for some fun. And now, here's your host, registered pharmacist, life student, and medical cannabis professional, Joseph Friedman. Hello, this is Joseph Friedman with the Medical Podcast. Uh, I am a pharmacist and also um, founder and CEO of PDI Medical and also the consulting organization Canna RPH, which helps pharmacists around the country, if they want to get into this industry, can do that. Now, I'm thrilled to have with me today, um, Melanie, do we call you Melanie Bernstein or Melanie Kane? I think you recently got married. I did. Yeah. So my uh, new presentation name is Dr. Kane. Um, but for marketing purposes, I still throw Burston around. Okay, great. Well, well, Melanie is heading up a very interesting organization. I think the only one of its kind in the nation right now called the American Society of Cannabis Pharmacists. And uh, I happen to know that just, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy created a task force on medical cannabis, I was on that task force, and then they created an organization under NASP that was for pharmacists to join and uh, be a part of the cannabis industry. Uh, that didn't really gel, and and so um, in that time, uh, Melanie began um, the American Society of Cannabis Pharmacists. And so, Melanie, why don't you take it away? Wonderful. Thank you, Joseph. So, um, you know, just kind of piggybacking off what you said, the American Society of Cannabis Pharmacists, we're really here as a resource and uh, our main purpose is to support pharmacists, both in their learning and their education of cannabinoid medicine, as well as provide networking opportunities. You know, there's so many different roles for pharmacists. And I think just with the pressures of 
all these new graduates entering the market and you know a lot of people are getting a little sick and tired of retail um, and while i do agree that working in a dispensary is a little bit like retail pharmacy there's still that ambulatory care component where you're meeting with patients you're talking about their results and really helping guide them find their relief um, something that you said earlier about um, the previous Cannabis Association, the specialty pharmacy, you know, in Canada, they actually dispense their medical cannabis in specialty pharmacies. So, you know, one of my biggest goals, not only in America, but in Canada, is to see that, you know, cannabis is in our pharmacies just like any other medicine. And that's really how we can reduce and relieve the stigma so that our healthcare professionals, our patients, our communities, we're all on the same page and aware of its compassionate potential. Well, that's great. Melanie, you mentioned Canada. Now that Canada, Canada is a uh, you know, completely adult use state or recreational state, um, you know, how does that play with the specialty pharmacies there dispensing medicine? Is that kind of going by the wayside or is, are they coexisting? Yeah. So uh, later this month, I'll actually be presenting to a group of pharmacist owners who um, are interested in how they can incorporate cannabis into their business models. So uh, one thing that we talk about is, you know, really looking at, at it from a medication therapy perspective where, you know, we have to include cannabis, whether they're using it from a valid prescription or a medication order, or if they're obtaining it from their recreational or their state-owned stores. So um, again, you know, it does have drug interactions. It has side effects that as healthcare professionals, we can prevent, we can manage, and we can really guide our patients to find their relief. Right. So, so, I, I so why don't you go through some of your, your background? I mean, you, you do have quite an extensive background in the cannabis industry. Can you just talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, right after college, after I graduated from the University of the Sciences, Philadelphia, Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, I returned to my home state of Minnesota where cannabis is required to be dispensed by pharmacists. And I didn't even know that was an option. Um, they don't really tell you about that in pharmacy school. <laughs> so um, I was fortunate enough to you know, be inspired, be excited about it. And I landed a position with Minnesota Medical Solutions. And very quickly, I learned that you know, there's no guiding formulary or algorithm to guide your clinical decisions. Uh, a lot of it is you learn as you go. And I did as much research as I could to help my patients understand. I, I will never forget my first ALS patient. Um, it was a 33-year-old man with progressive left-sided weakness and, you know, just had the diagnosis and he was looking for, you know, what he could do to delay the progression. And I remember just looking at him and saying, give me 15 minutes. I need to go look some research up because, you know, there might be research out there and you know, through that um, experience, I really, I really started to understand how pharmacists can be healthcare professionals that provide medical information more than just our over-the-counter drugs. Um, you know, it's just like when somebody goes to your pharmacy and is seeking heartburn relief, or if they, you know, have some type of topical eruption. We want to be able to guide them to either an over-the-counter product that does not require a prescription or promote that they do go see their doctor, their physician, their specialist to ensure that they're getting the care that they need. So after I spent so much time doing research, I decided to 
share my knowledge uh, through my consulting and education firm PrepCan. And after doing a few uh, presentations around the country, one of which was with the National Cannabis Summit, um, I, I think that was my first one or... Yeah, that was like the first national presentation. And I started a network with a lot of other healthcare professionals and pharmacists. And, you know, they're all wondering, how do we become cannabis pharmacists? How do we get involved and, you know, spread the truth? And I thought we, we absolutely need to create this association of support. You know, when I look at other states that are adopting medical programs and they they wonder or they debate if they should have pharmacists involved. And I I'm shocked because how could it even be a question? You know, if this is a medicine, who better than the medication experts to not only manage the inventory and ensure that, you know, we're doing whatever we can to prevent diversion and safe and um, appropriate storage handling, but um, also, you know, teaching our patients how to use these products. We don't have a single pain medicine that you inhale. Yet we have cannabis and vaporizers, and um, some states will even allow uh, certain types of inhalers on their market. So the device counseling is, I think, very similar to what we do in pharmacies anyway. And then the other side is, you know, educating our doctors. Um, a lot of our doctors that don't know about cannabis, they don't want to be involved. And that's not the outlook or the perspective that they should be taking. This is here. There's over 33 states that have medical cannabis programs. Um, there's 10 states plus DC that allow for recreational or adult use. People are using these molecules, they're using these products, and they can be interacting. So providing a safe platform for evidence-based medicine discussions. Um, we, we do a lot of journal clubs. And we're fortunate um, that a lot of uh, principal authors and researchers want to talk to us. So we're, um, we've been privileged to have uh, Dr. Oren Davinsky join us um, to speak about Epidiolex. We had uh, Jacob Scott, a neuropsych from Penn. He was able to talk to us about cannabis in youth and, of course, a super hot topic, especially in the recreational or adult youth states. And um, our, our next or further explorations um, beyond Journal Club, we also want to talk about the different roles of pharmacists in cannabis. So uh, main one, of course, is in the dispensary in a clinical role. But you can also have consulting to dispensaries, your private consulting to patients. You can have research. So there's so many different opportunities in research, whether you're helping implement dosing uh, strategies or if you're uh, evaluating different formulations and their pharmacokinetics. So um, I think a lot of people are interested in how they can get involved and, and really you know, see that cannabis is respected as the medicine we've had for thousands of years. And um, we're very passionate that pharmacy students should be involved. Uh, right now, we have about 20 student volunteers. And um, by volunteering, they're able to really be a little bit more involved on the back end of the association, as well as you know, attend all of our events and uh, also network with other pharmacists. Well, well, that's great. And you know what, something that you said earlier about your first patient and ALS patient, and then you said, give me 15 minutes, you know, how likely is it that someone who doesn't have a healthcare background, a pharmacist will even know where to get that information? Very unlikely. <laughs> okay. So, so you, you the got... scariest thing for me. Um, I remember even in my dispensary, I was walking across the waiting room you know, a fleeting chance. And I heard one of our technicians on the phone and all I heard was the, the technician, but I heard, 
ma'am, I don't know what a PE is, but it's not going to interact with your vaporizer. And I was like, oh my God, she's talking about a pulmonary embolism. Like, please let them know that the pharmacist will call them back. Like, this is absolutely a point of counseling that we need to make. And, you know, especially, I truly believe cannabis is a life-saving drug, but it can still be harmful, especially, you know, with all these different concentrates on the market. The plant itself is if you're lucky, up to 25% THC. I think anything more than that is just the lab uh, being generous. Uh, But then you get into these concentrates that are 50%, 70%, 99% THC. Now, these are going to have different physiological effects that we haven't seen the the millennial prior. So understanding, you know, when you have complex medical conditions or you're on numerous medications, and that's really the the picture that we see in our dispensaries. You know, we have a lot of sick people that don't know what to do or how to go about it. And they need that comfort of speaking with a healthcare professional. So um, I'm very, very passionate that pharmacists should know about cannabis. Even if you're not in a dispensary, you, you need to know if your patient is on, you know, MS, uh, multiple sclerosis related medicines, and they're trying cannabis, you know, you have to consider that if they're on any other uh, psychoactive agents such as gabapentin, for example, or Mirapex, um, just to throw out some names. You know, a lot of these, a lot of the harm that we see with other pharmaceuticals is additive. So if you have a lot of psycho, psychoactive or a lot of um, cognitive depressants, or if you have a lot of medicines that can interact with blood pressure and heart rate, you know, we can see these uh, effects in the body. And, you know, I had one patient who uh, had slurred speech. Um, he had progressive muscle weakness, you know, in the span of a few minutes. He thought he was having a stroke. He didn't realize it was just the effect of THC. So as clinicians, we have to ask the right questions. When did you take that medicine? Uh, what did you take? What did you take around it? You know, different things that just non-clinically trained people, just they just don't know. And, you know, legally speaking, they're not able to provide that advice. So in legal states, their patients are stuck between a rock and a hard place because their doctor doesn't know. And they say, go talk to the bud tender. And the bud tender is like, well, legally, I can't counsel you or, you know, recommend anything based on your medical conditions. So talk to your doctor. And it just kind of goes back and forth in this vicious cycle. And people end up spending a lot of money trying to figure out what works for them. Because with medical, you want to be on a product that has consistent results that you can rely on. You don't want to take it one day and it causes extreme drowsiness and, you know, interrupts your daily activities. And then on the other hand, you still want it to work. So finding that balance, it's, it's really the importance of teaching our patients to self-manage or self-medicate their symptoms, just like they would with an over-the-counter agent, for example. Sure. It's like, it's like any medication. You want to find the effective dose. Most physicians, when they prescribe prescription medications, you know, they'll start with, you know, five milligrams. Okay. Well, that's, that's not doing the job. That's not effective. Well, let's, let's bump that up to 10 milligrams. Well, maybe that's over effective and you're getting, you know, maybe you're getting a benefit, but you're also getting side effects. So then you have to you know, go down, taper down to seven and a half milligrams. Okay, well, there you are. You're getting yeah. benefits. And it's the same thing with cannabis. You have to find that effective dose or that sweet spot where it's working. THC is not the devil. It, it can actually be very helpful. Oh my God. I think benzodiazepines are the devil, but <laughs> what do I know with my PharmD? <laughs> well, well, Melanie, can you, can you, um, you know, just uh, 
talk about a little bit about the program in Minnesota and then maybe get into a little bit more information about how to become a part of the American Society of Cannabis Pharmacists? Yeah, so Minnesota is fairly unique. We are uh, one of the first states um, that only allows for extracts. So we have no flour in our dispensaries. Everything I sell is a concentration and a dose in a pill or a liquid, what I like to refer to as patient-friendly dosage forms. And you know, just like adjusting the dose or the ratio would affect the patient's response, so will the formulation. You know, we have all these different forms available to our patients and we have to rely on our background pharmaceutical knowledge to understand the kinetics, the onset, the distribution, the duration. All of these will be important when patients find their relief. Um, So Minnesota, uh, I love it, but I also obviously see some challenges to it. Uh, We only have two manufacturers and we're vertically integrated, which means we grow, we process, and then we distribute all within one company. And I think it's great from a data collecting perspective. You know, we know exactly what products are available in the market. They're guaranteed to be free of pesticides and and not mislabeled, which means that the milligrams on the label reflect the contents inside. And I think with a lot of um, other states or even hemp-based CBD, you don't really know what you're getting. So our next uh, CE with the American Society of Cannabis Pharmacists is on clinical safety and quality considerations where, you know, we look at those high risk populations and we consider, you know, what needs to be on the the label to not only help uh, clinicians in uh, recommending cannabis, but patients, we want patients to know what they're taking. So uh, with joining the American Society of Cannabis Pharmacists, our website is ASCPH.org. Um, sometimes we like to call ourselves the ask if, because we want you to ask your pharmacist if cannabis is right for you, (laughs) but it is kind of an awkward abbreviation. And we have a Facebook page. You can look us up, the American Society of Cannabis Pharmacists. And uh, we have a few pages on LinkedIn as well, just to help our networking for our members. Great. And And how can someone contact you directly, Melanie? Yeah, so my direct email, um, the easiest way to get me is Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I, at ASCPH.org. Fantastic. Okay, well, you know, we're coming to the end of this um, interview. Uh, Melanie, it's been fantastic. You are such a knowledgeable person. And, you know, the fact that you're a cannabis pharmacist, there's only a handful in the entire country. We need to have more. So through American Society of Cannabis Pharmacists, we can, we can accomplish that. So are there any um, parting words you'd like to leave? Um, well, you know, I always like to look back on the oath of a pharmacist. And one of the first points is, you know, we're, we're going to stay on top of providing evidence-based medicine to our patients and really keeping up with the changes in healthcare because every day it changes. And cannabis, it's been around for thousands of years, but, you know, it's been wrongfully persecuted against. So uh, I, I do encourage you, if you don't know about cannabis, although if you're listening to this podcast, you're more than, more than likely interested in the subject, um, but do as, do as much research as you can and, um, get out there, you know, don't be afraid, reach out to your pharmacy school, see if they're interested in incorporating a cannabis curriculum or uh, some type of CE or continuing education event. Um, That's what we did. And we did that in Pennsylvania where another state that pharmacists are required. So, you know, I I really want to encourage you to get out there, be entrepreneurial and uh, don't be shy. 
Fantastic. Well, Melanie, uh, we're going to sign off right now. We're running out of time, but thanks so much for your time on the show today. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking in the future. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Medical Podcast, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please help us by sharing the show on your LinkedIn, Twitter, and other social media networks. If you have healthcare-oriented questions or are a pharmacist or healthcare professional and want to learn more about medical cannabis, please reach out to our team by email. Send your message to medicalpodcast at gmail.com. The medical podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. Seek all medical advice and or treatment from a certified registered licensed physician and or pharmacist. This is not legal advice. Seek out a knowledgeable lawyer about the subject. The medical podcast is for general information purposes to generate meaningful conversations about medical marijuana and is not an authority on the subject from a clinical or legal perspective. Thank you.